It's a good show. Hey, everybody. Hey. Uh, whoa. whoa. Hi, everybody. I'm Lucas. I'm David. Uh, hey, David. Um, this is Saving the World. <laughs> this is Saving the World. With Lucas and David. Um, I, uh, I think we have a great... Like a pretty insane episode. Yes, David, we do. Um, we have, uh, as part of our monthly spotlight, we are spotlighting. Well, monthly, it's, it's a month, month long, long spotlight. Month long series of spotlights. Midterm flippable candidates. Can I ask why David? Why David? Yeah, why David? Because we are trying to spotlight no, candidates no. <laughs> who are voting, who, are, who, who can what, flip no, a seat. Why, why David? Why did why did you choose David today? Why did I choose David? Yeah, what why you did you what what's the clue me in? I'm just curious. Is there a reason? What do you mean? I'm I'm sorry, David. Let's continue. Um I, so why why David? The answer is of course. Uh we have a really great it's we a shame. Have an excellent, excellent episode for you with with Sean Caston. Sean Caston. Who is running in Illinois sixth district. Uh, which uh, contains parts of Cook County, of which I am I am from Cook County, so it's a it's a mm-hmm. home. This is a hometown hometown guy for me. And how he, long has it been Republican in that district? Uh, it has been Republican since the la- the last time it went Democratic was in the election of 1970. 1970. And so it's been... since 1973, it has yeah, been Republican, Republican, firmly Republican. Yeah. Um, but Sean Caston is looking to change all that. He's a respected scientist, a clean energy entrepreneur and author, as well as a dedicated husband and father living in Downers Grove. Uh, Sean has devoted his career to building businesses that profitably reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so, you know, he, he, he knows how to work both He's sides an of energy the scientist. He's an energy scientist. He's got his degree in molecular, uh, biology mm-hmm. and then another degree in molecular engineering. Um, he's a smart guy. Uh, for nearly two decades, Sean uh, founded and ran multiple startup businesses that created hundreds of new clean energy jobs. His businesses lowered energy costs and reduced pollution by increasing overall energy efficiency. And that kept manufacturing plants more competitive, cleaner, and helped preserve more than 6,000 good-paying American manufacturing jobs. So he, uh, he says that he understands how to build our economy while keeping our air and water clean and safe because... He's done it. Uh, he's got the experience. So uh, in Congress, Sean is uh, promising to fight for affordable health care and access to coverage for all Americans. He, he's going to revisit Peter Roskam's immoral tax plan that is saddling our country. I'm going to cut you debt. off. You're going to cut me off. Please cut me off. Peter Roskam. I did a little bit of, uh, little bit of iPhoning about uh, do you Peter have a Ros- Roskam. Is there a Roskam dossier? I have a Roskam app, and uh, he is not a good guy. Not a good I'm guy? I'm going to say, you know, I know we've said this before about... So we're not partisan, by the way. We're super we're not political. We're a-biased. I've never uh, taken part in politics. I don't... Uh, I don't. You canvassed Saturday, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I lo- actually I I do take part. I vote, so go out and vote. Um, but uh, Peter vote. Rosk, do not vote for Peter Rosk. Don't vote I know that for Peter. You're Rosk. not allowed to legally. I don't think you're allowed to say on a podcast. Don't vote for someone. But um, I'm going to say it because he was pro Kavanaugh. He mm-hmm. does not support women's rights. He's anti-abortion. He's a pretty bad dude. He's um, he sounds bad. Yeah, he is. Uh, so if you're casting a vote in November in Illinois Sixth District. Cat, maybe cast it for, well listen to sean and decide for yourselves we have a great episode we talk all all sorts of smart stuff with sean we talk uh, about climate change we talk about what his priorities will be in congress we talk about his his background uh we talk about why he chose to run for politics uh and what it's it, like to be a part of a really important election yeah yeah it's a referendum let's smoke some weed 
Saving the World with Barry Rothbart and Lucas Neff. Thank you so much for joining so, us. Are we, I think we're going to officially start. Is that all right? Perfect. We don't want to waste your time. Um, um, one, hey, you're uh, you're from Downers Grove, right? Uh, I am. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the, from uh, I'm from Brad. Chicago. I grew up in Andersonville, so uh, oh, awesome. Cook County is very awesome. familiar to me. Which uh, are, this six, are you Swedish or Vietnamese? Uh, I'm neither. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, a mixture of uh, of white European. Uh, oh, okay. Polish, Jewish. Irish, Jewish, yeah, and Jewish, and also Jewish, right. Ukrainian Jewish, yeah. but uh, I'm just a mutt. I'm just a Euro mutt. But, there you go. Well, mm-hmm. That's my working assumption of Andersonville. It, it's less but... Swedish than it is mostly like uh, affluent lesbian. Uh, oh, in my go. time there, there's there a go. lot. Uh, it, it it sort of transferred. There's still some like sw- there's a sw- the Swedish museum is still there. Um, I think you can like go look at clogs. But uh, let we can get into that some other time. I, I just say, say there's a Chicago stay. I say we stay with we stay with the Andersonville. Let's talk museums. about clogs for 15 minutes, guys. We got a let's lot of good clogs. Let's talk stuff. about the intersection of affluent lesbians, Swedes, and the Vietnamese community. Yeah, because, I mean it's um, it's it's a vortex. It's quite a yeah. there's some vortices there. Um, I'm curious. Barry's also curious. Um, Don't speak for me. I, I, I um, apologize. Yeah, I, do you want to? No, you go, Barry. Uh, I just you know to to start things off. Um, this is a, an incredibly emotionally charged election, and it feels like it's uh, there's there's a message that that the left is trying to send that's more than just about candidates. What is it? What does it feel like from your end being involved in such an emotionally charged election? Is it different than what you've experienced in other ones? Um, well, I've never run for office before, so um, you yeah. know, I'm 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 in this race because I am. I am emotionally triggered myself right now in this moment, I suppose. Um, the, you know, the, the truth is, I mean, look, I don't, I don't speak for the left, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't even, you know, since I have, I've never run for office before, I'm not even sure I'm qualified to speak for the Democratic Party in general. I'm, I'm a Democrat because my values are represented by the Democratic Party today, but in in prior elections, I voted for Republicans. I voted for Democrats. At core, I'm an American, and the I think the in a weird way for you know for me personally and for my family, and I think for a lot of the people involved in the campaign, the being involved in a campaign in this season keeps us from going crazy because there is. There is so much nastiness and vitriol and so much so much of just feeling like everything that our country was founded on is at stake by virtue of, you know, Trump the man, but the Republican Party's acquiescence, that you just sit around and say, what can we do to make a difference and make it better? And when when everything depends on bringing adults back in charge in Washington— being involved in this moment just feels kind of good. And it's, and it's inspiring to see how many people are saying this is the time to get engaged, whether it's, you know, running for office or, or just canvassing and phone banking or, you know, giving a couple bucks to a campaign. Can, can There's I, a lot of people who have never been involved before who are now. Can I uh, leap in? This feels like a good, uh, good place. What was the, uh, the tipping point for you 
Sean that was like, you know what, I think I should run for office for the first time? Was there a specific moment or was it sort of an accumulation of things? Well, look, anybody who's honest, it's an accumulation of things that, you know, the, the truth is I had about seven or eight friends tell me I should run. And the first five of them I told were really dumb. And somewhere along the line, it started to seem like wisdom. Your smarter friends the, began to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, or at least it became a majoritarian view. The, you know, the truth, the one that really put me over the top was um, I, I was getting together with Katie McGinty, who has been a friend for a long time. She she was the head of the Council of Environmental Quality in the Clinton White House, and she had somewhat famously narrowly lost the Senate race in Pennsylvania in 16. And I'd, you know, we'd sold our company in September of 16. Trump happened in November and sometime in, in you know, late winter, early spring. She'd come out to visit, and we were both just sort of trying to figure out what we were going to do next. And I, you know, I mentioned to her how frustrated I was with Trump, with the, um, with my own representative, and trying to figure out what the calculus was to actually, you know, find candidates who could win primaries and win general elections because the primary turnout is always so biased. And Katie said, you know, your resume is pretty killer. Um, she said you could run as a you could run as two very honest versions of yourself, but you could run in the primary as someone who's dedicated their life to climate change. You could run in the general as someone who um, has, you know, built a successful company. And the and it's pretty rare to find this is her words, so pretty rare to find people who have resumes that can appeal to both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, if if you had to sort of pitch your resume in a few bullet points, how you you know how why why is it so? What makes it such a good resume for for this moment politically? Well, the um, for the, I, I don't know. That's a I'd have to be way too full of myself to say that it's it's great in this moment. Katie's point was merely that because primary voters tend to be more to the extreme of their party, um, that my lifetime commitment to doing something about climate change is very attractive to a democratic base. And the fact that I've done it by building businesses can resonate to, you know, to Republicans as well. And that was that was her only point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, on climate change, you know, you you were a scientist originally. You, molecular biology, right, was your focus mm-hmm. for a while. And then yeah. what shifted that to clean energy and to climate change? Um so I, I'd always wanted to do something environmental. I, I grew up around it my 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 dad was one of the advisors to President Clinton on Kyoto. He, he'd also been an energy entrepreneur, and I didn't want to do the same thing that my, you know, that my dad had done. And I thought, you know, let me be, let me approach this from the vantage point of trying to advance technology. So, got an undergraduate degree in molecular biology, worked in labs for a couple of years, went back to grad school to get a master's degree and to try to work on advanced biofuel technology. Um, did some engineering after that point. And basically gradually came to realize that uh, there were so many really economic, really proven, really robust, and totally underdeployed technologies that uh, that it didn't feel like science was the pacing problem, if you will. Um, and that led to to you know putting on an entrepreneurial hat and trying to do something about that. And so then, you know, building a couple of companies that had missions to profitably reduce greenhouse gas emissions with totally proven technologies. I did that for 16 years. And then, you know, then we sold. And then Katie, um, Katie kind of persuaded me that in this moment, um, you can accomplish a lot more as a member of Congress dealing with climate change than you can as a 
as a business owner, even one with a little bit of success. Yeah. It seems uh, like the right thing. Speaking of that, uh, I do, uh, I, I agree. It does seem like the right thing. I agree with Katie there. Um, yeah. Shout out to Katie. Shout out to Katie. Uh, I hope you're, I hope you're feeling better, uh, after 2016. Um, but, uh, I, I was sort of curious, uh, from another angle, what sort of connects you to the sixth, to the sixth district in Illinois? Like why, you know, you're, you're a local, you're from the area, but what, what do you think you can do specifically for that district on a local level? And what's your relationship to that district? Um, so my relationship to the district is basically as someone who lives here. Um, you know, my I, my kids go to school here. We, um, you know, fairly actively involved in the community from playing in bar bands that play in the local <laughs> local local bars, um, coaching soccer and all that sort of stuff. Um, You're in a bar band. I'm I'm in a couple bar bands. Oh, um, your ringer. Yeah. This feels like yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. What what uh, instrument what, are you? Yeah. What's are you the guy who growls? Uh, my and, dad and played play, jug in a I college play band. I play keyboards. They occasionally let me sing, which is usually a mistake. And and we just uh, we just did we just added what I like about you to the repertoire. And I decided to <laughs> go go buy a ten dollar harmonica and learn how to play the harmonica break. So you know oh. you do what, you do what you can. Um, you should run on that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you that the only song that I have been asked to take out of the repertoire is we do the we do the Run DMC version of Walk This Way, and and I right. rap it, and because that's sort of in my vocal range, and uh, <laughs> and I have been I have been advised that in this Me Too moment, um, me singing the lyrics of Walk This Way on a stage, I will leave your your listeners to uh, read them. <laughs> Would not be appropriate for an aspiring political candidate. That's, that's, I'm glad you're thinking. I've never I'm tried, glad you're so. thinking four dimensionally here, Sean. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, no, but but so to come back to your question, like, you know, I think I think the reality is that this is a district that is um, is a is a very highly educated, science affirming district. It's just north of Argonne National Lab. It's just east of Fermi Lab. Um, it's, it's a lot of people with postgraduate educations and kids in schools and, um, and, you know, professional types and, and, you know, that's, that's basically who I am. And so while, while it's, uh, you know, while it's historically been a Republican district, it's, it's not a Republican district of the type that has anything to do with the modern Republican party. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, it's I guess it's tough to know exactly what Congress would look like if you were elected, and you know what the makeup would be. But you know, what are you seeing as your your main priorities, or what do you t- what what would you like voters to to know your main priorities are once you get into Congress? Well, I'll, I'll tell you maybe the thing that is that is most surprising about transitioning from the you know the science and business worlds into politics is that. The you know I've I've got a stump speech that you know as we all do, and you know and I'll stand there and say you know here's what I'm going to do if elected, I'm going to make decisions based on facts and I don't give a damn about the politics and that's a big applause line, mm-hmm. and then I'll say, you know I'm I've I've succeeded in this world by surrounding myself with people of exceptional character and I don't care what you know race or gender or you know anything else they are I want good people and that's a big applause line. And then I'll say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I built my business by looking out for win-win solutions and not insisting everything is zero sum. And I'm going to work hard to find 
ways to collaborate with people regardless of their political persuasion or agenda and find areas of common agreement. And that's a big applause line. Mm-hmm. And and it's all good, makes for a good speech, rallies the crowds. But the honest truth is that name any other line of work where those things would be exceptional. If yeah. if somebody you yeah. know if somebody had walked into my office and said, Sean, starting tomorrow, I'm going to make decisions based on facts. <laughs> and, and and I've talked to HR. We're going to stop discriminating. God, the bar's been <laughs> set and, so low. And, yeah. and even though I used to tell my customers that they were stupid, now I'm going to actually treat them with respect. Right? Yeah, it, man. It really does like sort of crystallize really what a mess bizarre, we're in right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, as far as what, you know, what I want to prioritize and bring is, is basically just be myself, but be honest about who I am and, you know, and not, not, not give people cookies for doing the bare minimum. Um, but let's, let's demand, let's demand nothing less of our politicians and we demand of our, of our coworkers and employees and bosses. Right? Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, it's yeah. I mean, it feels like common sense. It's sad that we have to say it like it's revelatory these days. I'm going to start walking into all my jobs and saying stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, today's – every decision I make will be based on facts. Um, but, I'm uh, done discriminating. Yeah, every time I walk into a, a cafe, I'm buying my coffee based on facts. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, every election is essentially a choice, right? And if Ooh. you were to uh, be trying to explain to voters what the choice of this election is, what would you say? What is the choice, um, voter, in your in your opinion, what is the choice voters are facing when they come to the polls this November? Here's, here's, the, here's the choice, and this is going to be this is going to maybe sound a little bit few good men. Mm-hmm. The we could bleep it. You're going to take out our eyeballs and fuck our dead <laughs> yeah, skulls. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember that. Remember the line when the when the guys I forget his name when he's like, he's on trial and he says how do you make his decisions and he says you know something like you know God country core or something like that. Um, values come first, country comes second, and party comes with distant third. And as long, and that's 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 where I'm. That's where I sit. Mm-hmm. the The choice between me and my opponent, and arguably much of the Republican Party, is that is that party comes first, country comes a distant second, and values are a way distant third. Um, you know, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm running against a guy who has on his website a page that says how proud he is every day to work at Denny Hastert's old desk. Uh, that's how you put values last. Yeah, right? yeah. He's 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 proud of Denny Hastert because he's a Republican, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Hastert was uh, but, embroiled in a pretty terrible uh, sex scandal, wasn't he? As well. He, yeah, wasn't that um, with? Uh, I hate this. It was uh, underage something. I feel uh, like un, un, underage, um, basically, you know, molesting young boys. Yeah, that's um, what I thought it and, was. I didn't want to. Um, and and you know, you sit there and say, um, "How are you proud yeah. to take on that mantle?" Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, you know, let's imagine that Denny Hastert, who was the he was the speaker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jim Jordan, who is says he wants to try to be speaker if the Demo- if the Republicans take control, who's been accused of looking the other way at another, um, yeah, another... you know underage sex scandal. Um, let's throw Donald Trump in the mix. Let's imagine they all come to your house and say, um, I'd, I'd like to watch your children for the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Can but you, you would can, want them to run you, your country. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, 
if the president and if I told you the president and you know the sp past speaker and and hopeful future speaker of the House show up and want to watch your kids, that you'd be afraid of that. And yet that's that's where we are. So that's that's the choice. Put values first. Put country up there and deal with party after the fact. Yeah, and, and sorry, and yeah. I wish that wasn't partisan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, you know, it, what's interesting is um, all over the country, we're spotlighting these elections where it feels like we're taking these areas that have gone traditionally Republican, um, mostly in the House, some in the Senate, um, and we're finding that there that people want another option, and they want they're inspired by the message on the other side. And I think it's 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 pretty serendipitous, I guess, you know, in in like a really dark way that you're doing this at a time where climate change. There was a huge climate change report that just came out um, where, you know, it, it's a bit more dire than we realized. And I, I think it's interesting that you you have a you've you've created several businesses that are uh promoting clean energy correct and recycling yeah. and you you'd like to you think that there's a way to use capitalism to to achieve our goals is that fair to say well um i i i do except that let me caveat a couple things you Please. just said you said we're discovering it's more dire yeah um we aren't what what's been known for a long time is becoming public number two uh. is that whether or not i believe um is irrelevant because the facts are all that matters. Sure. And what the what the political conversation has gotten woefully wrong, even as the scientists and the business community have understood this for decades, is that the only way you release marginal CO2 into the atmosphere is by burning fossil fuels. And nobody gives away fossil fuels for free. Right. Which means that anything you do to meaningfully reduce CO2 emissions saves money. And we've been having for you know three decades now this completely garbage argument about whether or not we can afford to really reduce CO2. And during that period, I've been building companies where I went into businesses, you know, industrials and you know chemical plants and steel mills and paper mills. And I said, look, I'm not, why I'm doing this is not really relevant because I'm not I'm not here to persuade you to be an environmental advocate. But what I'm going to do is offer you the opportunity for me to invest capital in your plant, lower your energy costs. And and if you're willing to do that, then uh, can I keep 100% of the savings? And they say, no, I'd like to have some of the savings. And I say, all right, let's have a business conversation. <laughs> um, I don't have to raise any conversation about carbon. I just know that the there are a ton of opportunities throughout the country to invest capital in places that will significantly lower the use of fossil energy without in any way lowering your access to useful energy. And, and there's a ton of those opportunities. Um, it's a, it's been a business opportunity for a long time. Um, it's been environmentally urgent for an even longer time. Um, but we've not done anything about it because our political class has chosen to make that a, you know, a partisan fight rather than to step up and act like adults. Yeah, uh, we, we you mentioned urgency, and I think that's really important because a lot of these these elections end up being sort of referendums on bureaucratic inertia of some kind, and 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 a lot of energy and volume is sort of given to uh, the ele each electoral process uh, in the form of the urgent crisis 
that is facing voters and the fact that change needs to be done now. In this case, we're talking about environmental issues, but you know, uh, historically, you can you can sort of insert the issue of the uh, of whatever the moment was. Uh, how how do you reconcile, um, you know, talking to voters about the urgent situations facing facing our society and facing the planet, and then if elected, justify or or explain uh, the patience that is required when you're in a, in a, in the midst of a bureaucracy where things happen slowly, you know, how do you, how do you wait out several election cycles or something like that? When you're like, this is an urgent problem. It's going to be difficult to solve it quickly because of the nature of bureaucracy. How do you keep voters patient, but also excited? Well, it's a, the, the truth is, I, I don't know. Um, because, um, I'm, I wish I could say I was optimistic that our, that our government infrastructure is, is able to move as quickly as the the planet needs us to move. And I don't, I don't have confidence in that right now, but I have, I have, I have more confidence if we elect people who at least understand the urgency of it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, and the other reason I don't know is because, you know, let's be honest, I've been, I've been a CEO for 16 years, and I'm applying for a job as a middle manager in a large bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do not have the skill to sit in the middle of a large company and patiently wait for, for the boss to tell me what to do. Um, we'll see. Having, having said all that, the, as, as much as this has been the animating feature of my own life, I don't actually think that from an electoral perspective um, – People appreciate the urgency of this, nor are they eager to sit around and listen to me talk about the urgency of it. The the, the things that people see are urgently necessary in this particular electoral cycle are are basically getting back to the kind of government and values that we we had two years ago. Um, you know, how do you how do you restore people into power who respect the value of the institutions? Um, the the amount of of you know outright rage that is in the streets right now about the Kavanaugh decision, not just because he was rather credibly accused of sexual assault, but because he so obviously lied under oath before the United States Senate. You yeah. know that the devil's triangle is not a drinking game, right? Yeah, yeah. He knows that. You mm-hmm. know that people who went to prep schools in D.C. in the 80s or people who went to public schools in the 80s, as I did, sometimes drank too much, right? Yeah, but I never did. The fact, <laughs> that he, the fact that he lied before the U.S. Senate and the majority of the Senate said, yeah, that's totally cool. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's how you destroy an institution, right? And so the urgency that people feel right now, I think, is more about getting people back into power who will have – will have sufficient respect for the institutions that our founders created um, and and recognize that they are, you know, at the end of the day, our elected officials are at best when they realize that they're, you know, they're, they're placeholders and stewards, but this isn't about them. Um, and, you know, and I think we get that with the election. And then hopefully we demonstrate by our actions that, you know, the goal is not to be not just to be vindictively going after the prior generation, but to recognize that the institutions come first.
Hey guys, this is Barry Rothbard from Saving the World, and I'm next to Lucas Neff, also from Saving the World. Now, we love our own podcast, but we also love some of the other ones on the network, mainly this new one called Maculate Conception. It is a it's about infertility because infertility is an issue that affects many people and it could be difficult to talk about. And it's the new inspiration behind a new Starburns audio podcast called Maculate Conception. They're in their, it's, it's a couple and they're in their third year of uh, in vitro fertilization. Oh, hey. I mean, it's always something that I've heard about. It's, it's nice to finally get a chance to listen to the inside scoop. That's right. Uh, Abby and Isaac, they documented their experience so listeners can hear firsthand the intimate struggles of a couple experiencing infertility. You know, they're going to share their hopes, their dreams, uh, their doctor's appointment, late night fights. It's up close. It's personal and sometimes funny. Uh, it's a look at couple at a couple longing to become parents in real time. So Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to, to know there are other people out there going through the same thing? That's right. So join Abby and Isaac on their journey. Subscribe to Immaculate Conception on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or or wherever, wherever in the whole world you can find a podcast. Wow, so many options. Do it. Hey, listeners. So, MeUndies has uh, has basically changed my life. Would yeah. you say it changed your I life? I mean, it's definitely changed um, my how comfortable I feel. It's saving underwear. my world. I'm going to I'm going to go that. saving far. your world? Yeah. I mean, it's made my world a lot softer. I when I heard about me undies, I was like, why? Why do we need underwear sent to us? What's the point? And then I tried one and I was like, it feels Whoa. different than any pair of underwear I've uh, I've ever worn. It's uh, literally yeah, it's, the most comfortable. It's like this crazy thing. They got this micro micro modal fabric. Uh, which is, it's like three times softer than regular cotton. It's That's right. insane. Uh, There's it, a little It's the pouch. softest thing I've ever worn. Talk about the pouch. The pouch? Yeah. I would love to talk about the pouch. Oh, the front pouch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's soft. Soft, right? It, yeah, everything it, feels great. It gives you the support you need. Uh, they release multiple fun prints each month. It's They have matching socks. Uh, they have bralettes. That's that's right, for the special lady in your life. There's also 100% satisfaction Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. You don't get that a lot. No, I mean, you know, I I promise you that you're going to love this underwear because I can't imagine anyone not loving it. But if you don't, you can just send it back, get your money back. That's right. And MeUndies just launched a brand new membership. You can level up your top drawer with new undies each month. That's, that's right. That's Twelve new pairs of undies. I go through at every least month. one pair a month. A day. I sometimes. Ruin at least one. Okay, <laughs> members gain access to exclusive prints that no one else can get. They get special member pricing on every product MeUndies makes, and you could switch styles or skip any month you want. So and uh, it's loose. Yeah, MeUndies has a great offer right now for you guys. Uh, for any first time purchasers, when you purchase any MeUndies, you're going to get 15% off uh, and free shipping. Yeah, it's kind of one of those no duh, no brainer things, you know? You're going to get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever ever put on. Okay, and uh, to get your 15% off your first pair of free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash save the world. That's MeUndies.com slash S-A-V-E-T-H-E-W-O-R-L-D. I'm, I'm so impressed at your spelling every time.
you know, I'm curious too. Is you, being again in a in a district that has voted a certain way since the '70s. You know, what do you see changing on the on the ground? Yeah. You know, like what is you would be the in first, the district, the first Democrat elected since 1970. What, yeah. Know, what are you noticing a difference in the conversations that you hear in the you know in just the the activity or the passion of voters? Um. So what I think. And, you know, and I moved here in 2007 and I was born in 71. So for me to talk about what's happened since 1970 would be a little bit presumptuous. But the... <laughs> I guess for um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty up to date on everything. So. Exactly. As, uh-huh. a, as a scholar of the history of the sixth district, um, what I, what I think is that the fact that this district went so strongly for Hillary... Um, there's only five congressional districts in the country that she won by a bigger margin and elected a Republican. What that says to me is that the um, the values of the district are very consistent with the values that Hillary represented. And those values, I mean, as as someone who, you know, you know, as Secretary of State was very much a defender of the you know, the post-World War II order, and, and she advanced a pretty muscular foreign policy, right? Um, I mean, heck, she even voted for the Iraq War, you may recall. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who, you know, has certainly embraced, um, you know, capitalism and market market forces, um, that her values, you know, leaving aside whatever, you know, you may think of her as a person or the Clinton family and, you know, all the, you know, all the noise machine around that, the stuff that she stands for is pretty consistent with the things that the Republican Party used to stand for. Um, uh, you know, if you look at, the, I'm going to guess that if you took Hillary's platform and took off all the names on it, um, it'd look a heck of a lot like the Republican Party platform. Yeah. You know, from the, you know, maybe, maybe not quite Reagan, but you don't have to go that much farther in history for it to be the Republican Party platform, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, certainly Eisenhower and, and so I think that the, I think at core what's happened is not so much that the district has changed, but that the, the, the Republican party has moved so far to the right. And the first time that really became obvious was when the top of the ticket was a, um, someone who bragged of sexual assault and has had a lot of wives and certainly doesn't represent the, the, you know, the socially conservative wings of the party, someone who, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't really understand trade at all and doesn't represent the, um, the sort of economically, um, you know, engaged foreign policy ends of the party, and someone who has a history of driving businesses into massive bankruptcy and depending on his dad to bail him out and certainly doesn't respect, represent the fiscally conservative end of the party. And I think I think the Hillary Trump election sort of brought that in high relief. And what I think is happening in this cycle is that you've got a lot of people who are not suddenly saying I'm, that you know my demographics have changed or my views have changed, but just people recognizing that the party around them has changed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and especially denying climate change is something that I feel like a lot of people are starting to uh, to realize is. Um, unacceptable. Well, it's, it's crazy because the you know it was a Republican president speaking of the the early seventies who signed the Clean Water and Clean Air mm-hmm. uh, Act, and you know it was Nixon. But, Nixon did some of the you know biggest environmental uh, regulating of any modern any president in the modern era. 
absolutely. And 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 even later than that, remember remember when we the ozone hole was all the talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. George 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 H. W. Bush um was the guy who with with his EPA administrator, um, Bill Riley, developed the Montreal Protocol that said we're going to apply Republican principles to fixing this rather than just doing a mandate. We're going to create this idea of tradable permits. And so anybody who wants to release will have to buy the right to release, and they can buy it from somebody who can show that they can reduce, and we'll let markets optimize. And it's called the Montreal Protocol. It worked. It closed the ozone hole. And that is the exact same structure that Bill Clinton then said, let's use this model that my predecessor as a Republican showed worked really quickly for chlorofluorocarbons. Let's do it for carbon. That's cap and trade. And that's now been demonized as this crazy lefty idea. And it's like, that's that's George H.W. Bush. That was his administration that came up with it. It's a very Republican idea, at least least as the Republican Party used to be. Yeah. uh, Well, all right. Well, we we have one quick segment. Is that okay? We do our final segment. Um, This one, you, I'll, you know, in addition to having a chance to flip a seat in the House of Representatives, you do have a chance to win one point on our show today if you get this segment uh, right. If you do this Um, segment well. If you do it well. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, are are you ready? I'll this, explain. This, sound, this sounds like this is worth way more than anything I've accomplished. <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. Life. Uh, this is <laughs> obviously this is going to be the high point of this election for you. <laughs> okay, for so sure. it's time for the lightning <laughs> round. Lightning round. All right, here this we is go. A chance to get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we've we've had to. Sh- we know your time is valuable. You're a busy so guy. Truncated a two round game to a one round. It's only going to be one round. You're going to be asked five questions in a row. And you will have uh, a loose thirty seconds to answer them. This is you, all we ask is that you're honest, and that if you can remember all five and answer them, you don't have to do them in order. Um, you will get a single point. If you don't care about points, you can ask for help, <laughs> but then you will not get a point. Uh, in case you remember, does this understand? Case. Is this is this all clear? Is it, is it clear? Not not Cassid. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Great. All five will be asked. Mm-hmm. Lightning round. And round then one. you answer. Uh-huh. Okay, here we go. One, if you were to write a song about what you were going to do in Congress, what would the title of that song be? Can you hum the tune? Two, you're a molecular biologist. In what Armageddon scenario is a molecular biologist the only person who can save America? Three, kissing babies. Cheek or forehead? Four, if you have carte blanche to make one law of your choosing, any law, but you get to decide what it would be, what would it be? Five. Are we doing elections wrong? Go. Uh, all right. Um, molecular biologist saves the world. It probably has to do with Ebola. Um, <laughs> Great. That's um, scary, but the, I love that answer. That was, I'm glad that was so uh, easy. If, if, I could, if I could pass any law, I want to create a national balance sheet. It's totally nerded out, but our financial conversation is stupid. Wow. Um, Great. I like that. What are, we, what are we doing wrong in our elections? Um, are we doing them wrong? The... Are we doing our elections you can, wrong? You can say um, what we're doing for extra credit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, we should lower the, the voting age to 16. We should allow felons to vote. That would oh. be a good change. Um, and I like the idea of voting being a national holiday. Yeah, I do too. Um, Me too. Um, I if, like the idea uh, of anything being a national holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I... If I what was it, if I sing a song 
Um, that's the theme of the theme of what I'm going to do in Congress. Sort of. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's um, close. close enough. Close enough. Um, you know, just because it's it's the first thought in my head, let's go with ludicrous. Um, what's the one about yo? Get out the way, yo! You know the song <laughs> I'm talking about. <laughs> I can I say really it. Like it's move, bitch, get out the way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, you said it. Not yeah. Uh huh. Um, All right, great. You only have one. You have one question left. Yeah, there it's was a fun one. one. Other question. You will get a full point, Point. all of a point, if you can remember this question. You're doing admirably Um, with time as well. well, You're actually doing better than most our guests. Almost all of them. Well, I'll accept your praise then, and I'm going to take a lifeline, because for the life of me, All right. All right. Well, this is is one of my favorite questions. What about a hint for half a point? Yeah, you want a hint, you can still get half a point. Sure, sure. It has to do with babies. (laughs) Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the forehead. Yeah. So here's the problem with with uh, the whole kissing baby thing, is that um, in light of our prior conversations, and uh, and all oh of the uh, the underage sexual yeah. shenanigans that politicians in, have been in, done, in I have a tip a decision, of the hat to Denny Hastert here. Yes, I just I I think I will leave kissing babies to the other party. Oh, That's great. Yeah, great. What half a point are you going to give? Uh, them? Yeah, I I would say one. You killed it time wise, Sean. That was uh, incredibly efficient. Um, it felt honest to me. Uh, so I think, yeah, I'm, uh, you're going to walk away with half a point here hey! today. Hey! Well, Congratulations. Well, I look forward to, uh, what is that, a red ribbon? Um, let's, let me know where We'll send you up. one. Yeah, um, so to, as a, a quick wrap-up, we always ask our guests, um, one, is there an organization? I guess, you know, we can ask people. We, we like to ask our listeners to either donate to an organization of our guest choice or some sort of a movement or their time or resources. We obviously will say, hey, you know, um, if you live in the 6th District and you want to are nearby and you want to help Sean, um, I, I assume you, you take volunteers and canvassers and all that stuff, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we do take volunteers and canvassers. I'll, I'll tell you just a neat organization that our, our family has recently gotten involved Please. with is a group called Leap. Um, and they, it's a group based out of South Africa that helps go into the, uh, the sort of poor, still almost entirely black townships in South Africa and takes teachers in those schools and brings them over to the United States to sort of shadow science and math teachers in the United States huh. so that they can go back and be better educators and, and help sort of uh, improve the quality of life in, in some of these rural townships. And it's been, it's been a group our family's gotten involved with and, and had them over here. And it's just a, it's a really neat program. Leap. L E A P. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And uh, is there, a, a, would you, if there, if there were any ways for people to reach out to your campaign, uh, now would be a great time uh, to. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go to the website, castenforcongress.com. C A S T E N F O R congress.com. There's, there's buttons to volunteer, donate, all that other good stuff if people want to get involved. And um, and if you click it, um, someone will, will answer you. Great. Uh, and our final, final, final question. Um, and once once again, just thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great, uh, great having you on the show. Um, we ask all our guests this. Uh, can you give us a reason to be hopeful? Um, I can. And the reason to be hopeful is that the majority of the country didn't vote for Donald Trump. The overwhelming majority of the country has gotten active and energized in ways that the media doesn't report on, but from the Women's March to the Science March to the March for Our Lives and what the Parkland kids have done, they, the arc of history is not guaranteed to bend towards justice, 
But there's a ton of people right now who are jumping up and tugging on it in spite of the fact that our leaders in Washington aren't. And the optimism I take right now is that is that even though our institutions are not performing particularly well, that lowercase d democracy um, is, is pretty energized right now. Great. I'm I'm hopeful. That was that a, made that me was hopeful. A terrific answer. Yeah. I'm never hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, to everybody, get out the vote. Everybody yeah. listening. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Sean. And uh, Thank you both. good luck. Really appreciate it. Okay. Good luck on the thanks. campaign. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye.